have the U shape. Oh, okay. I feel bad. I just came from the pool. Don't feel bad. My hair's on funny. I went. It's either just come this way or don't come. Come. If you didn't say anything, I, would, I don't think any of us would have got like, what's Marsha doing here? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all good. Do you want some coffee? Yeah. I'll go get you some. Oh, I can get it. The pot's just on the counter. Okay. Oh, okay. Sure. serving thing. Fabulous. Oh, I can't. Over here. No, out in the hall. I'm like, that's a cooler. Well, we'll, we'll, I'll start with a prayer and we'll initiate positive at 30. Lord, with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures you've written for our learning, grant to me in such wise, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um... I want to I want to continually kind of review our our framework for the Psalms, especially the, these um, uh, some of the Psalms this morning. Specifically, uh, we'll, we'll, on one level, the idea of of being surrounded by enemies. Mm-hmm. So, how do we? Um, Actually, well, if, if J.K. sits at that chair, we have a little diff, then they can kind of see it at an angle. I'm trying to open it up to our online people. Well, I mean, I, I was planning to sit there. But Cheryl's going to go early. So. I know, it's okay. So anyway, um, so um, where where do, as Christians, thinking about the, the liturgies for baptism and con- baptism in particular, um, where does the idea of enemies come up in that right? Flesh and the world, the flesh and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. um, Those three have a a title, a formal title in the tradition of the church. They are called the the enemies of the soul. It's exactly right. So that um, the Christian life, and do you remember, um, you know, some of the language of, um, I'm going to grab a prayer book, because I I think in our um, contemporary setting, in in, in a lot of the um, contemporary sort of rendition or, or approach to the Psalms, People don't know what to do with this enemy stuff. You know that that might have been the mean God who kept crushing people, and now we have a nicer God who is, um, you know, who is not doing that. You know, he's just all about love. And so the idea that you have an enemy, um, so so it has to do with the idea on one level that the Christian life is a battle. Um, so your your um, in the prayer book service for baptism. The candidate is asked, um, um, Do you renounce the devil and all his works, the vain pomp and glory of the world with all covetous desires of the same, and the sinful desires of the flesh, so that you will not follow nor be led by them? You renounce them all, and you endeavor by God's help not to follow nor be led by them. Now, that in and of itself suggests a battle. Because they're there, right? I mean, you renounce them, but it doesn't mean they go away. So, um, so and let, let me look, these, these prayers that we offer on, and this is on prayer book, you have to get your prayer book, I'm just going to it's on 278, but um, we say, um, Grant that this person may die to sin and rise from the of life. I may grant that all sinful affections may die in him, all things belong to the live and grow in him. And then here's his prayer. Grant that he or she may have power and strength to have victory and to triumph against the devil, the world, and the flesh. And then, um, when we, uh, at the end of the service, uh, we 
receive this person or child in the congregation of Christ's flock and to sign with the sign of the cross in token that hereafter he shall not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified and manfully fight under his banner against sin, the world, and the devil, and to continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant unto his life's end. So, throughout the baptismal liturgy, there's this idea that um, Christian life is a battle. And that's throughout the New Testament, is that too. And what, what in the New Testament gives us um, a, a framework for understanding it that way. Ephesians 6. Okay, Ephesians 6. Not against flesh and blood, but power. So, how, how about, I, I want to go there, and that's, 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 I want to take a look at that, but what in the Gospels? Oh, Jesus in the wilderness. Okay. And Jesus in the wilderness, what's the sequence of events? What happened just before Jesus went into the wilderness? He was baptized. He was baptized. baptized. Yeah. yeah. So just before... He was baptized by John in, in the Jordan. And then, um, you know, we hear, you're my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And then immediately he's taken by the Spirit into the wilderness to be, to be tested. And so um, when we think of the Christian life and, and Jesus as a pattern for that, um, the fact is that that's, you know, okay. That, that, that there, there is the paradigm. You're baptized and you're tested. So the, the um, can you think of any Old Testament examples where someone is proclaimed to be God's favorite and then they're given or you know child or, or Messiah and then immediately follows the test? David. David. <laughs> so what what happens um, when um, well Saul and Saul pre pre, pre Comes before David. Right, but and, he's kind of test. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 he, he anoints him, and now go do these things. And Saul yeah. fails to test miserably, and ends yeah. up being rejected as king. Right. Yeah. David is anointed. Right. Yes, please. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Immediately, yeah. you know, yes. breathe their nostrils the breath of life. Oh, oh, you're a tree. Don't do that. The Jews in the wilderness. Jews in the wilderness. <laughs> So, the, the, the fairly contemporary, modern and contemporary idea that Christian life is about, well, it's very, very recent and contemporary that it's, it's mostly about making you feel good. That, that you're, you know, you, you can go there to get some comfort and, and feel good. Some of being drawn out of the thing is, is a very, very recent innovation in, in the idea of what the Christian life is about. Uh, so, but, but my point is, as we get into the Psalms and talk about battle and enemies, we have to do some exegesis uh, because um, we, we look at the visible enemies, and, and David would probably be you know, the principal visible paradigm, right, where he's fighting against Saul, who wants to kill him. And he's fighting, and, and a lot of the Psalms have that cast, of, I'm being besieged, but, but I'm going to hold on. Uh, and then that's a that's sort of the backdrop we understand Jesus besieged by temptation uh, in the wilderness. Where else was he? The most prompt about in the garden. Fall. In the garden, he gets him sweats, sweet yeah. sweats, great, great drops of blood. And then Ephesians, um, the passage that Cheryl we shall all be familiar with um, in Ephesians chapter six. No, I just read you the thing. There's no reason to turn there. Then we'll get back. We'll get to the Psalms eventually here. But um, where he, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, which makes it clear that we have a battle going. Um, but here's, here's a key concept that I want to unpack a little bit. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God to be able to stand. So, what does it mean? What, what does it mean by we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? What, what would that mean? 
what would flesh, what is it mean? flesh and physical war man kind. Okay, well, flesh and blood. So, um, what would, if you were to say what are your obstacles in life, what are you facing, what are, you, what are your challenges in life, there will probably be some visible things you would mention, whether it be at work or in the family or, or, um, or, an illness you're wrestling with. There's a flesh and blood. That's how I flesh and blood equals temporal, visible, tangible things that we identify as enemies. Faithless fears and worldly anxieties. Okay, yeah. And well, so okay, let, but let's but let's um Let's move there because the enemy is simply, you know, you're already getting to the spiritualizing of it. But, but here we're just saying, you know, my boss is incredibly difficult. I need God to you know, take him out or, or replace him or, or I'm, I'm, um, I'm sick. I need to be healed. So if we, if we fought in a simple flesh and blood way, the, the prayer would be that this visible flesh and blood thing I'm having would just be taken by away by God, and then it'll all, all be good. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's the illusion we have in our life. That's what you know. If only this, if only that would go away. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And I, I want there's a there's a nuance here because obviously we pray for things. When people we have healing every first Sunday, or time we someone's sick, we we pray for healing. Um, but even then, it's not, it is physical. We hope there's a relief of the sickness, but that's not even the only thing we pray for. So how, do, how does a battle against principalities and powers work itself into the, into the, the apparent battle against flesh and blood? Because those principalities and powers can be behind okay, flesh so, and blood. Okay, so... so um, People are in sin, they leave open doors. The devil is methodical and has a whole legion of... of but, okay, I, 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 I get all that, but I'm just saying, okay, so you have a, a physical battle. What is, what, how can we understand the spiritual dimensions of that battle? Because God, because then we can get discouraged, okay. lose our faith, we can not trust Train God. us with our joy. So, so as, you, as you face the physical, the, the, the visible thing, mm-hmm. there are temptations. Yes. Elizabeth got at this earlier. We can become anxious and despairing. Mm-hmm. Yes. We mm-hmm. can become um, mean spirited to mm-hmm. those around us. Yes. We can become blaming yes. you. So these are these are things that these are ways that the spiritual battle um, takes place within the context of the visible one. And so when we're praying, we have to be aware that we're not just looking for that temporal relief. We're also looking for how, um, how temptation arises and also then for the opportunity to, to grow in faith through it. Because tests aren't just designed to see if you'll fail, tests are also designed. What's another purpose of the test? To learn. Huh? To learn. To learn. Yeah. To learn. Yeah. So you can you 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 go through this thing, and you, no one becomes stronger without lifting more weight. So I always think of. Oh, excuse me. Please, please, Elizabeth. I was going to say the old hymn: "I only design thy dross to consume, and thy gold to refine." In the test, yeah. and and so it's an irony that we often pray to get rid of all the things we face, but then if we look at our life over, say, a couple of decades, the very thing that that made faith develop and strong and, and become stronger was the fact that we those are the things we went through. Yeah. And if you find someone whose life was fairly charmed and free from those things, you usually find someone with fairly shallow faith. Or simplistic faith, or not, you not real doesn't really understand what it means to wrestle with these things. And, and testing reveals a lot to yes. us about ourselves and mm-hmm. of the distance between God and mm-hmm. our faith. 
So, um, the gap. so I want to suggest this is the, 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 um, the context in which you want to look at and pray through some of these psalms is the context of the spiritual battle, where we understand the spiritual dimension of physical battle. So it's never just a matter of um, I've identified my enemy, I want God to nail him, but, I, but the enemies uh, are, we have to have a spiritual dimension, which is both the external demonic dimension, the flesh is the interior desiring dimension that in times of struggle is often provoked. It wants something now. Mm-hmm. We look at back to the garden scene for that, right? She saw that it was good for food. Mm-hmm. I could, he's saying that's that I need knowledge. <laughs> he's saying this will give it, oh, I, so that's all. But the, the temptation, the idea that the lie that comes from the evil one there, the, 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 the lure is from him, but the attractiveness is from flesh. Because when Jesus encounters that, there is no attractiveness to it because he doesn't have that disordered human nature. So do we have to be aware then of sometimes those voices of the evil one outside. Sometimes it's like, wow, that's really outside of yourself. Like, that person doesn't care about you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this or that. Or, Why are you even here? Yeah. You know, like, what? You just know. said that. <laughs> right. right. But, yeah. Jesus being fully man was never... Well, what I mean is that he, he felt the weight of, of, the, of the burden of the temptation. It, it wasn't attractive to him. So what I mean by is when we're in the midst of, a, of, of suffering and we like relief, we desire it. But, but Jesus has the wisdom to know what he's offering doesn't give me this. So I will endure in my temporal discomfort waiting for God to provide his relief when it's ready, whereas the human nature thing is that the flesh part of our enemy is that um, our nature, our human nature is perfected yet. And, and this is this actually, that's, that's actually a, a something to reflect on, that the more we, I think, grow, and this is that, and the other thing we have to be aware of is the sort of um, what we call the reactive tendency. That is, when, when we're in the grip of something, and it, it sort of triggers the, the more reactive fight-or-flight, save-yourself part of our brain, mm-hmm. um, we're not very reasonable there. Mm-hmm. We don't sit back and say, and now, and in some cir- circumstances for that um, part of ourselves, you don't want to be reasonable. If you're really under threat, and that part kicks in because you get it. You know that's how people are able to lift cars they couldn't lift to save someone. Uh, so there's a, a place for that part of, of of our of our thinking. However, when we're in the midst of life and we are something triggers us into that space, a lot of times we'll immediately fly to to comfort or or seeking quick relief in a way that later on we realize, God, that was stupid. I mean, in sense, because it's not thoughtful. Reactive brain is not thoughtful brain. So um, that's well, the thing. Think we, the news always wants to keep you in fear. But this is this is the um, the uh, reason that the idea of recollection habitual is the goal of prayer, which is to be constantly in touch with, mindful of God. Mm-hmm. It's not that we won't be reactive, but what we can hope to have is an awareness of the reactivity. That reactivity happens in a, in a part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We say, yeah, I'm doing it. And, and the main thing then is not to try to think it through, but, but in, the, in that moment of pressure, don't say anything, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything, don't do anything. Just weather the storm. And then, when you, and then after some time passes, we can breathe. We can say, what was that about? And then we can learn, aha, this... This thing maybe provokes in me something related to some, and, and I, I, I could be aware of it. But in somebody who doesn't, who, who's not aware of the spiritual battle, um, that same thing can be much less thoughtful. It can be, um, you know, you get a thing, you get triggered, react, and I may, maybe say I somebody said I blew up and read someone the riot act, and 
and walk away. And, and I could, some people really walk away thinking that guy was just a jackass. Yeah, I gave him what he had coming. No awareness of one's own role in, and the guy may have been a jackass. Mm -hmm. But the point is, the point is, you were you were paid, you were paid the 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 bad with the bad, and so that the posture of faith is to try to stay recollected. And and again, it's not that you're just going mm, never feeling anything. It's that you it's the awareness of the reactivity. I see this happening. And then you can you can develop effective coping mechanisms to weather the storm of it. Um, so that's the flesh, and 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 I think when we come back then to to to, to thinking, and even when we think about it ahead of time, you, maybe we're wrestling with the with the temptations typically have seasons. Maybe we might wrestle with envy for a while. That first night. Why isn't God getting me with that? Uh, <laughs> and um, there's a there's a prayer that struck me um, at the Easter vigil the last couple of years. It, it, it's a prayer that is one of the colleagues during the, the, the vigil lessons where it, it says, grant us such reasonableness of mind against the allures of sin. And reasonableness of mind is a way we sit back and say, yeah, this, yeah, I'm, God, I'm seeing envy. I feel, I, I'm aware that part of me is envious of this thing. But let's understand where that goes. I become bitter, resentful. I, I'm, I become ungrateful what God has given me. It, there's no pathway here where I end up fuller, better, more contented if I follow that. You realize, okay, so, I, so, and then, and then the spiritual battle, this is, you know, I've, we haven't read a psalm yet, but, but I think we have to understand the contours of spiritual battle here that, um, so what do we do? I'm feeling envy. Okay, well, envy is usually an indication of a lack of um, contentment, gratitude. So I'll go back and say, Lord, thank you for giving me what I have. And even help me to not have this pull. And that's, you know, we can ask God to help us, but that's that's the idea, so... So that we we begin to combat that with the kinds of disciplines and prayer that can effectively withstand that kind of loss. Any thoughts about that? It's just like a soldier in a battle. It's like if you know you're not good with the javelin or whatever, they'll go do a bunch of trainings in that area. That's what we're talking about. I mean, morning prayer. And evening prayer keeps us in fit soldier position, but it's like having contemplative time, bringing these specific things, reflecting at the end of the day, what you know, whatever. And for, for each of these enemies, um, that, you know, that there's um, there's there's, a, there's sort of a corresponding main discipline. So let's look at them. For for um, the, the start with the, the devil. The, the main corresponding discipline, and it comes from the Sermon on the Mount, the things we've already said, so you think about that. What, what is the main discipline? Jesus actually advocates uh, for three main spiritual disciplines. Truth, the Word of God. So, um, what in Matthew chapter 6, there are three disciplines of life. One of the basic we talk about all the time, just prayer. prayer. So I'll give you that one. I'll, I'll get, that's a giveaway. Yeah. So, but the idea is that um, demonic temptation. If we get back to that scene of the garden, um, it's mostly a temptation to pull you away from your prayer, and and that was they succeeded in pulling Eve out and Adam as they're watching. You know, they're not like, hey, Lord, what should we do about this? Right. They, they, so no prayer, no yeah. prayer, no prayer in that at all. So they they lose their vision, their recollection of God. Now they're focused here, and that is why um, that is why prayer must be must have a disciplined character to it. It's like this: oh, you pray six times. I used to pray when I feel like it. Well, sometimes you're not going to feel like it, yeah. and then you're not going to pray, and then you're be very vulnerable. It's like saying, you know, I, I want to be a great musician. I practice every time I feel like it. 
Well, eventually you're not going to be very good. So, so the the, um, the 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 prayer then is holding on to God, and if we're connected to God, we'll be aware of what Saint Paul calls the wiles of the enemy, and um, uh, and then so what of um, what then is is the discipline that stands opposite of the world in, in the Sermon on the Mount? Plus another meat. No. Well, okay, so Jesus said, in, in Matthew 6, says, when you pray, when you fast, when you give alms. Which one matches up with which one? Prayer, fasting, alms, giving. Fasting, fasting for the world. Fasting. No, giving alms. So there's only one of the way you There you go. Yeah. Give alms. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so why is that? Why is that? Why are oh. disciplines like tithing and generosity essential to combat What's the world want you to do? I want yeah. once yeah. you think yeah. this is yeah. I, have this. I become acquisitive. Right. So the idea of of giving away, of taking what I have and being being open handed with it helps free us from the idea that this is oh. the, the idolatry of it. Because the world keeps making you think you're in lack. But when you're giving, you're aware of all the resources you have in God. It just mm-hmm. keeps flowing through you. And, that's, and, and that, of course, all giving be becomes the, the general orientation to give. Um, yeah, you, you can see it even in, as you go through life. There's so much of life that's hurried and becomes competitive. It's you, that guy cut me off. This line's long. She's, but if we go the other way, well, how can I bring something positive? How can I give something to the situation that adds to it? We're always, it's always such a temptation to, to, to make everything competitive as we get in. And so then we have uh, fasting and the flesh. Because yeah. flesh deals with your appetites. And what does the appetite want? More. 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 So the only way to discipline the appetite, the, the appetite always wants more, it always wants to say yes, is to say no. To practice, I'm not going to do this. That's why when we talk about disciplines of fasting, we talk about... Um, it's always good, that's so what we have uh, Wednesdays, we practice the churches, they have fasting and prayer for mission, and then there are seasons of fasting like Advent and Lent, and then just as personal disciplines, you should regularly abstain from things you really like, just for the sake of practicing. Well, I'd like to have this, but I'm not going to do it. And that's that kind of self-control that we can develop where if we can say yes with with um, with control, we can, we can say no. If we can say no, we can say yes. But if we can't say no, we're not really saying yes. That's the slavery. If I have to do it, I'm not free. And that's all. I'm not free to do what I want to do. But it's was and it's like this. It's kind of like what happens. It's, it's the epiphany that happens usually in the beginning of the Lenten fast for people. It's like you're swimming with the stream. I'm fine. I'm free until you. Swim against the stream. Yeah. And both of it's like, oh, and be, oh, that's going great. Two days in, it's like next week, like, I really want all these things. I want them. And again, none of that is about about your perfect performance or something. I didn't have that today, so aren't I good? It's just with an appetite. I can learn, I can live without it. So that's the framework is a spiritual battle when we're, we understand that's underneath the, the visible battle. As we pray the Psalms, we need to be aware of that. Bishop Scarlett, yes. back, back to the devil, because um, I'm thinking like when we do our prayer, um, morning and evening prayer, I think the element of truth in prayer is really important. And, and like when Jesus even was confronted by the devil, he told him the scriptures, he told him the truth. And in the garden, you know, the devil seems like, did God really say that? Because I think especially in our world now, there's so many conflicting things about what... So I think prayer rooted in truth of the scriptures is really... Um, it's, I don't know, I think it's... A no, I think, I think you, you bring up a good point there, Ruth, yeah. that, that though Jesus didn't specifically mention the scriptures, it was rather assumed... That, that the whole uh, disciple group he's talking to deeply rooted in, in there, the Torah. And so I, I think prayer kind of, in the tradition, assumes that scriptural basis, that, that your, um, 
and and that um, the scriptures is the basis for understanding what it is you do, so that when you find a temptation to, um, well, we talked about envy. Uh, scripture says, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it talks about so all the whole framework for all of this is sort of rooted rooted in, in that. So, but that's but I think practically speaking. That if we're going to be effective in spiritual battle, we have to have a regular and and reflective engagement with the Bible. But he, that's what helps. He is in the in the wilderness, though. He said, you know, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 so he yeah. uses scripture right. against. And, and, and it, because right. oftentimes it's true that that um, that temptation comes by thought, and then and that was like just like it. it we could think of it back at. Uh, um, Come up higher and have worship in the presence of this. Um, the um, and and the more we're we're aware of it, the more we can we can. Um, and, and I think that that what's happened what happens to us practically speaking in times of temptation is we become not rational but rationalizing creatures. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in those gray areas. Wow, this is. Yeah. You know, we start, well, you know, it's yeah. yeah. good oh, food. Why, why would God give me a tree that wasn't, you know, it looked so good? He didn't tell me to have to partake of it. Mm-hmm. And we do that, so we have to be aware of of that. Um, and that's where that's where that kind of thing needs a firmer discipline. But the more we're we're rooted in the scriptures, the more like the know and. I, I kind of learned, like, in terms of, of the spiritual life, that um, the word no is significant. Mm-hmm. I mean, just in your own mind, mm-hmm. a thought comes up. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because what, 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 I, I, what I've realized is, is, that, um, is that thoughts present themselves as powerful realities mm-hmm. and really illusory things. Mm-hmm. And so to say no is to... Is to um, so practicing that, and and that's actually sort of the dynamic of temptation, because people a lot of times people think um, they sinned when they really were just tempted. Mm-hmm. So the the awareness of the thing, the beginning to even think about it is not the temptation. It is the yeah, yeah and we, we we then we kind of embrace it, and 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 then there's a road we can go on, and and for a lot of us it will be before we go fully into the pit we'll go. Okay, and we'll we'll put back around, but um, but it, it it is it is the word of God that provides the the framework to understand this is why this is not, and that's kind of where conviction comes from, especially if we rationalize something. I know for me, I'll come back to like just reading it for any. It's amazing how pointed they are on the right day. You just read the lessons like. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It usually it usually has to for me. It usually has to do with. I got angry during the day, and I felt justified in my anger towards this person. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. God knows that temptation. Yeah. But I like that idea of saying no to your thoughts sometimes, because sometimes I'll just out loud just say no. That is not you. That. That's a lie. <laughs> and yeah, talk yourself through it. Yeah. And, and and so that that's that. Okay, so that was kind of the, that that we did a half hour of introduction to the spiritual life, the way of our baptismal vows, the enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. How they 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 piggyback on the visible battle mm-hmm. and try and and the and the devil was orchestrator. Always remember that 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 in in that large battle, what the devil wants from you is not mere sin. He wants despair and loss of faith. Mm-hmm. That's the that's what the modification is about, and that's why the tempter becomes the accuser. See, you're so bad now. How could you come? You're you're disqualified, and um, the humility. This is this is why in the in the spiritual life, it's not only um, the the the. The, uh, the developed power not to sin, but it's also the the humility to return in penitence when you did sin, and to accept fully and embrace it. Because a lot of times I've noticed what people do is they become it's a subtle form of pride, 
and it goes like this. Um, I did something I know I shouldn't have done. I'm ashamed of it. So I'm just going to avoid it because um, I don't want to admit I did it. I want to be the person I want to be. I don't want to be the person I actually <laughs> And that's and but the problem the problem is that um, Christ can only redeem your real life. Yes. So when we're playing let's pretend yeah. you're 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 and, and that's that's why um, so that's why confession, honest confession is is important and it requires a humility. And this is not often realized, but I think here is dawned on me in the last few years that King David is profoundly an example of that. We always think, oh, he sinned and just messed the whole thing up, but he's profoundly an example of repentance when confronted, because what does he do? He, he, he acknowledges it, and then he fully embraces every consequence that comes mm -hmm. to him. I'm going to leave the royal palace this is what God is going to give me in humility and accepts it. And I, again, I don't, somebody can tell me, that, I'm sure there's a Christian king somewhere, something like that, but I'm not aware of any king ever who willingly surrendered the royal palace without, you know, and I don't even believe that David with his man couldn't have, his dudes were badass. There's no way. I don't, I don't, I can't believe that if, 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 if David said, now nah, we're, I'm sorry I did this, but no, we're not letting this, uh, uh, I just don't believe it. What Jesus did on the cross, you know what I mean? Like he's reigning from there, but he's leaving the castle that they wanted him to have. You know? Well, yeah, except that humility that he, 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 um, that did, wasn't for his own sins. Yeah, it wasn't. And so, so, we, but we have to be willing to do it for our own sins. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is what I've actually done. If this is what I have to work my way through, and, and, and it becomes not punishment, but discipline. That was really helpful to hear that, because when you have consequences in your life, you know, taking them humbly, you know, because I've got mm -hmm. my fair share of humble pie, and, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. it's just like, it's, it, that was really wonderful to learn that, because we don't hear that a lot. And, and even, the, 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 even then, that, that's where the demonic temptation is very powerful. Mm -hmm. yeah, see, God is yeah, there. God, you know, you're forgiven. Yeah, but you know, God's going to. I wonder why David was able to do that so well with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. Remember, he was kind of the Holy Spirit. Well, I mean, the Saul had the Spirit wasn't able to do so well. So, I mean, it, 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 he's, he, he's, um, you know, I mean, that's why I, I, I think we forget. I think I've kind of realized that's it's not only because of his faithfulness, but because of his perfect penitence that he's a man after God's own heart, that he fully accepts it. Because we, we can sometimes be heroically faithful in the good times, but but sometimes it's it's I've seen a lot of people run away when they don't want to face with humility the realities of their lives. And that's a bigger danger in church. Because that was such a good lesson to looking at Saul, who, who had to hold on to everything. He had to, he had to fight everything. And then you have David, who is, yeah. And, and maybe because it correlates so much with his prayer life, too, that he's able. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's the framework I, as, in, as we read the Psalms, especially the ones about, there, there are other Psalms, not all Psalms, we're just about the enemies. We'll talk about other contours of this, but we read Psalms about my enemies. It's fully rooted in our baptismal renunciation of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our call is to fight manfully, the arming ourselves with spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. The word of God, that's a whole armor, and does this. This is not a surprise, but is the very essence of the spiritual life, and that's why the Psalms talk about a battle, and it's why, if you're, if, if any kind, any kind of Christian that cannot understand the, the spiritual life as a spiritual battle, cannot really pray the Psalms, you know, you know, because you have to, you can't deal with that. All right, let's jump in now to Psalm 3, speaking about battle. Um, and we should note in the Bible that the, the, the tradition had a, a 
uh, ascriptions of setting to some of the psalms. Um, they usually aren't, strictly speaking, the scriptures. Um, but but sometimes if you're like, so for example, if you're looking at your Bible, Psalm 3 uh, in this Bible says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So that was the... Um, and, and at least it gives us a, a visual for what's going on. David fleeing, yes. Oh, I, as I missed last week, it's as book one of the Psalms, is that, are those attributed to David? And are they like grouped together? There's not a clear, um, there's not a clear, uh, 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 you know, I mean, they're called the Psalms of David. But clearly, David didn't write them all. Okay. Although David is 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 seen, it seems as, as at least some significant origin of the tradition in Israel. Um, I think that the division of the into five books is likewise, I think, somewhat later, even in the in the tradition that a lot of times they sort of equated with the five books of Moses, five books of Psalms, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's just probably a neat division that tradition used in some way. It wasn't David, you know, was, okay, David writing 150 Psalms, okay, that's the end of book one. Let's, let's, let's start with yeah. two kind of thing. So the setting here, Dave, if, if we see David fleeing from his son, who wants to, wants to kill him and take his throne, we... Um, and it's interesting how this replays the eternal spiritual boundary right there, right? With the evil one, created by God, given life, but wants yeah. to rebel and take the throne. And oftentimes uh, in life, we'll find that people who we've, you know, invested a lot in end up, you know, so how can, so, but he's running from the enemy. Um, as we sometimes find ourselves, you know, being attacked, and that's kind of the setting for this one. Verse 1 of Psalm 3. Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him, it is God. Now, the Psalms give um, voice to the feeling of being overwhelmed. And I think that's a significant thing because A lot of times in our culture, we see faith as, 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 as a need to minimize how I'm actually experiencing something. That's right, yeah, I'm fine. Jesus with me. And it's like, okay, we, we understand that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But until you, but, and think about it this way, until you validate how you actually are experiencing the situation, and the feelings the situation provokes in you, those parts of you, we might say, how can Jesus be with you? Mm -hmm. yeah. And a lot of times, wow, so we think that, that means Jesus is with me now because I'm, I put on a happy face. But actually, you know, I, I'm not even integrated within myself because I'm not acknowledging the fact that this... So, so this is something that's very significant about the spiritual life is there is no conflict between feeling overwhelmed and understanding that God is with you. Mm -hmm. Those are the experience of life and the affirmation. It, it, and so it's a good thing to think about prayer. What's going on? Yeah, gosh, I'm just a little overwhelmed today. We'll say, oh, it's fine. You know, what, what? <laughs> that's okay. If that's how you are experiencing today, acknowledge that that's what the day feels like. Because then you can see God... And this is like having a good friend you can vent with, mm -hmm. you know, and, and God can hear it all where you, you know, you have a good friend like, yeah, and sometimes you can, you know, a good friend can um, 
and with a certain venting even about people. <laughs> and you say, okay, that's how I feel, yeah, okay. And then the, the, I think even if you notice that space where someone is able to do that and sit with you, that in of itself could be a sign of fact. Because Christ is with your real you, not the you you have to dress up to bring to prayer, because it doesn't work. So I think this psalm here, when he's, he's um, how they have increased that trouble me. I feel like I've let many rise up against me. Many are they who say to me, there is no help for him. Well, that's just a general sense of spiritual battle with people surrounding us. What is Sela? It's a musical notation yeah. of some sort. Like positive? Yeah. I mean, because these are these were sung in, in, in later Jewish tradition. Again, they're not part of the original text. But they were, I, I don't I think they were later added to for for um, singing. I like la la la. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like this is good. Let's just be quiet in this for a second. <laughs> and then then the the, the 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 shift there in verse three gets back to where we're going to get to. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. So, we haven't denied that we're just completely overwhelmed. We've, we've validated our experience of our life and our prayer, given voice to it, but then we've affirmed that Christ is here with us. We can hide in him, we can connect in him in this space. And notice that... Um, the word there, a shield for me. Um, Good visual. Yeah. And he remembers who God is. He's remembering that God is my shield. And and, and the idea of the shield there, uh, I have noticed that it's talking about being around. But so you have people coming at him, they're troubling, they rise against me, but God is the shield. Like he's going to protect me from all this is. is. Now, if God is going to protect me, then then, um, what that's just about what I shouldn't do? Worry. 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 Okay. Lose faith. But if God's going to defend me, Who's the other person might defend me? Who's the other? I might defend me. Yeah, I might. Right. I got people talking about. I'm going to write an email. I'm going to. I'm going to set this right. I'm going to make my case so that the the other point is that that if God's my shield, I'm not going to um, defend myself by acting unrighteously. I'm going to trust that God in His good time is going to resolve this in my favor. Even though right now my enemies spreading, talking about me, saying things that really aren't true, I'm not going to feel my personal need to set it all straight. And kind of, it goes back to the flight of fusion. Yeah. yeah. To the what? The flight of what? To flight of fusion, that you just stay put. Um, and yeah, you 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 stay there, and you you could go um, resolve it or run away, <laughs> but to stay present in the middle of things when this is all around you. The one who lifts up my head is the image of of a victorious lifting up, I'm bowed down in, in penitence, and, and God will rise me up, raise me up. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Now, being heard here doesn't seem to be exactly the same as an immediate answer, does it? Let's talk, think, reflect on that. So my enemies are still there. You heard me. But it's important. Yeah, yeah very, very it's, it's like a 
God is letting us know. I hear you, but wait. So oh, for, also, I've got you. Yeah. And so what that's yeah, what does that what does that help us with then? Patience. Trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you heard me. I've got you. Got you. Okay. Versus the sense of distance, like I'm not hurt, I'm cut off. God is. We notice in that in the in this example from Saul that because in his trials he did not hold on to to God, um, the, the presence of God moved away, and they tried to pray. And God did not hear his prayer. <laughs> um, there's a frightening passage in Jeremiah where he says. Uh, I'm not listening to them anymore. They keep crying, and you know they don't, they don't do what I ask them to do, so I'm not listening. So the the um, flagrant disobedience of God's word, illustrated by by Saul and people of Israel, time of Jeremiah, can be contrasted with. <clears throat> holding on to holding on to Christ means holding on to his word and what he's calling us to do. In other words, when we can't we can't pray God be with me at the same time not doing, not not waiting, not at, this, at the same time maybe put it more strict, taking matters into our own hands, seeking my own justice, <coughs> not waiting patiently for God to act. And that seems to be a posture regularly in the Psalms of God has heard me and now I'm waiting. But I'm waiting in hope. I'm waiting in faith. I'm waiting in trust. Because I have this sense of connection. And I think the relational connection that we can develop in, in prayer. And it does it does also seem, as we'll get to see in other Psalms, that um, therefore the main temptation Prayerful temptation in times of trial is God's not listening. We have a song we'll come to, we'll spend some time with, where where somebody says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, this this visible thing seems so overwhelming, it feels like you're not here. And, And, you know, we can have that kind of contrast where there are times of prayer where we're praying, all these good things are happening, and most of us will come to a season where we're praying and just doesn't seem any little sign that this is really has any presence of God in it. What is that test? Okay. 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 Can, you, can you hold on? Yeah. And that, and that seems to be the lesson like Jesus in, um, you know, all of the lessons about prayer revolve around perseverance. Prayer was like a guy who wants to borrow a loaf of bread from his friend at midnight, and his friend's all in bed and won't get up. But just because he keeps pounding on the door, he will won't go away, let's give him the bread. Or the widow who wanted justice, and the, and the unrighteous judge wouldn't give it to her. But she just kept coming back, coming back, until he broke, she broke him down. That's strangely the illustration of what her prayer is supposed to be like. But then he always says, well, how much more will your father in heaven? And, 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 and so Jesus has this one, um, you know, he, he talks about, you know, uh, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will people be staying in this posture of holding on? Um, which is also, I would say, is one of the um, values of, again, we call the rule of life for these disciplines of prayer, because it's a mechanism for holding on. You, you have a routine by which, and especially when life is challenging and really, really hard, you, you're going to lose the... Um, you know, 
push it, the extemporaneous mode of, oh, yeah, I think I'll do this. <laughs> but I, but I mean, for us, I mean, our tradition with the daily office, I can pick up and I can pray my confession and the Psalms, the scripture reading is there. So I don't have to, and I can hold on to that. It's a cycle of, of, of and then, you know, and stay, and stay. And this is really, I think, what's significant about both, uh, well, specifically about the Christian year and its thematic development is we stay in the story. What story? The story of the faithful servant who's holding all the way to God to come, experiencing the expectation <coughs> of Advent, the, the arrival of Christmas, but all those things that come, the, you know, the, the, the testing of Lent, the joy, joy of Easter, we're always in that story. And I think um, one of the, one of, I think the biggest challenge for, for, for Christians in their faithfulness is Many of them live in the wrong story all the time. They're, they're really, their lives are narrated much more by the cycle of news than the cycle of sales. <laughs> Life goes from the 4th of July sale to the Labor Day sale to the Black Friday sale. Life, life, is, life is punctuated each day by da, 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 you know, some news announcement as, as opposed to being punctuated by getting up to account for God. And give thanks and pray, and then and then moving through the day in that rhythm of prayer, and then from there, if we watch the news, we're interpreting this news in terms of this other story I'm living in. But what happens when you get caught up in the story in the story of the world? You're always in there, and God, what are you what are you doing? Come on, it's like you. But we're not even in the story that He's writing, and so they, there's a. And we think that you know, God never promised to fix the world the, the way we want it fixed. So I think that's, that's, um, so. And as he heard me from his holy hill, verse 5 says, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. And that seems to be the kind of a consequence of prayer there. We talked the freedom of anxiety. Someone mentioned, oh, I'm sleeping. I can trust God. I think about the story of New Testament where Jesus is asleep in the stern yeah. boat. <laughs> yeah, God's with us. <laughs> I'd love that. I really would love that kind of faith. I, I'm not, I'm not yeah. there. Even you know, getting better with some of the things like in the airplanes, little turbulence. Oh, God's here. <laughs> but I don't sleep. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I know. Flight attendants, flight attendants. Everybody's got their own. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you has some turbulent stories to tell. <laughs> I sleep. <laughs> so, I, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who mm-hmm. set themselves against the rest of the So, I, I don't fear because God is my shield and I can rest and I, and I can I be free from fear. And there's for arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. You have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You bless me upon your people. Now, it's an interesting thing that happens here in, in the tense of the thing. Um, because he says, Arise, O Lord, save me, which seems like save me. But then it is, for you have struck my enemies. You have broken. So you, you go from uncompleted from com, uncompleted action, save me, to completed action, you have. How, how can we make sense of that in the Christian life? Well, no, just in, 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 the, in the facts of the story. Oh, in the facts of the story. Because well, Jesus already has victory in the, in the cross. He has all, the victory. He has, he has won that. Identity is already in that story. Our current experience of that victory may be we're waiting to see how it will be applied to this situation, but but the victory has already been accomplished. So we're praying that's sort of the posture holding on to prayer. We're holding on to a victory that we have but not yet fully, which is the eschatological tension between the kingdom that's here and it's not fully here yet. Being saved, you are saved, and you're being saved. Yeah. It's that ongoing 
We're going to action as we walk in faith. <clears throat> that and the degree of, I guess, fear that you might be living in at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Whether well, I mean, and these are things that I, I, and I, I think one of the things we have to that, that we have to understand through this, this 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 framework of prayer is our emotional experience of our life is necessarily going to undulate. Mm -hmm. yeah. That in fact, if I, I come to a point in prayer where it's like, yes, I realize that Christ has conquered the enemy, I can hold on to this, I can sleep, okay, I, I get up, and then something of focus we'll have to so we have to continually process our experience of life through our prayer to continually experience the peace and I, I think this is um, it is truncating our emotional experience of our own lives that leads people to not really experience the peace of God because they think that that the idea that God is with them is a, a, a cognitive truth because you God's with you. But you haven't expressed how you really haven't gotten in touch with how abandoned you really feel and, 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 and kind of integrated those aspects of your being and brought them to your prayer and then experienced God actually with you. He can sit with you in that space. And then, so that, so, so this is how prayer becomes an experience. And I, I think the I, it's a big deal, you know, that, that um, in our culture, people tend to think of faith as a, a truth you hold on to in your head and not a full experience of every aspect of life, prayer. And then the, the closing line of the psalm, after he, uh, he he's rejoices in the victory that, that ha has already been won, he... Um, Ask for God to come now, but he says, your blessing is upon your people. God's blessing is upon his people as they endure their struggles in the world. And in fact, the, the, the struggles themselves are part of the evidence that you're God's, we're God's people. There's our psalm. So I said three, four, five. We just got one done today. We'll do move on four or five next time. Let's pray. Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make His face to shine upon us, be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up His countenance upon us and give us peace this day and forevermore. Amen. I wanted to share from uh, Psalm one the, the picture of the tree planted by the water. Yeah. This is there and. And then all of a sudden you can't come around the corner and you see this the stream, the bright angel stream, and there's the trees that are just flourishing. So it's oh, kind of a cool, cool, yeah. That's beautiful. You should paint it, Connie. I don't know about the rock, the <laughs> really, really ancient rock. So interesting. Where, where is it? This is in the Grand Canyon. Hiking hiking back up <clears throat> in the Bright Angel Trail, which is really <laughs> but yeah, it's really amazing. I walked around and it's like, oh, it's a song. There it is. Good with you all online. Amy, Griselda, Jim, Phyllis, Elizabeth, Nancy, and Cheryl, who by located. Yes, I just came out. Katie was with us too, although not visible. Thank you. I think this is Katie from. Um, California. Yeah, hi, Katie. There she is. Oh, Good to have you with us. There she is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I see you. Can you turn that off there? Just leave. Where it says leave.